Now what do we do, guys? I'm feeling all weepy, man. Um, before we get into the message, I, I wanted to just acknowledge you, you came in today and saw a different set on the stage. And these four pictures were um, pictures that we asked four of our artists to give their interpretation of something. And I want to explain what it is because this tells the story of Easter. Um, I think Ben mentioned or somebody mentioned from the worship team that, or maybe it was Andy, I don't know, but that this, this is an emotional roller coaster season if you really think of it in the terms of your spiritual life. The roller coaster of it is, is that as we go through the Easter journey, we begin with um, Palm Sunday, which is a day of, of triumph and celebration, right? And the waving of the palm branch. And this first um, picture is a, is a palm branch. And the palm branch um, signifies victory. You remember the story. Next week we'll talk about it a little bit. But the waving of the palm branches as Jesus came in riding a donkey. It was different. It was a different kind of victorious entry into Jerusalem. The people were used to seeing uh, a, a, a conquest, like a conquest, uh, um, you know, a soldier coming through having won the battle, coming through on a horse, and, and people would wave these signs of victory. But, but Jesus came in humbly on a donkey, on, a, on the foal, on a baby donkey. And the people um, sang and they cried out, Hosanna, and they waved these branches of victory, right? And then the, um, so this represents Palm Sunday. The coins that you see up here, um, they, they represent the coins that were, were spent to hire Judas to betray Jesus. And the emotion of betrayal that, that follows the, the triumph of this, Hosanna, save us now, well, just a few days later, it's very likely that some in that same crowd that were saying, Hosanna, save us now, were, what? were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And so we know that the, the betrayal didn't just come with Judas, who, who sold out his Messiah for just some bag of coins, but, but it was that feeling of emotional betrayal and that sense of denial that, you know, here Peter's denying Christ, here his closest friends in the garden as Jesus wrestles with his humanity are off sleeping somewhere. And he's like, boys, I just needed you to be with me for just an hour, just a while, just stay up with me. And so we get this and we, we recognize it even in our own lives that, yeah, God, to that sense of, are you even real? And we go through that emotion the next uh, picture is the cross, which um, represents, and, and again, man, if, I hope you have the opportunity to come out for Good Friday as we remember what Jesus did when he went the full distance and dying on the cross. And, and, and so the, the cross represents his death. But the cross and the tomb is the last one. The cross and the tomb are, are connected together because we see this whole season knowing the end of the story, right? That we see it through the lenses of resurrection. We go through these emotions, but we know that he's alive and that he's risen again. And so the cross makes way for the resurrection, right? The cross is about the victory of the palm branches. It's just a different kind of victory. It wasn't victory over land. It wasn't victory in war. It was victory over sin and death. And that's a hearty hallelujah, amen from all of us, right? It's the restoration of relationship with God that he made the way mission accomplished, right? It is what? Finished, right? And we can never forget that. And so this, this for us is an artistic representation of the season of Easter. And so I wanted to just take a moment and honor the artists that did it. Um, Michelle, would you stand up? Michelle Palacios, who did the beautiful palm branch. Brian, will you stand up on behalf of your wife, Karen, who is really the creative one? 
<laughs> Karen Eaton, who did these beautiful coins. Um, Kate Kermay, who uh, did this beautiful cross with the thorns. And I'm sure Krista's already left the room, but Krista, our own resident art director, who did this beautiful tomb. All of, the, all of the art that we had painted was done in these tones of blue because our, our theme is that all of this, right, all of these emotions and all this feeling represents the, the, the refreshment that God brings to us in the perspective that we have now as New Testament believers, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, that all of it is refreshment to us, springs of living water, and believing that we're in this season of this refreshment and, and thanking God for it. How many can thank God that the tides have turned, that there's a season of refreshment that he's bringing to us? And so this is what you see when you walk in, and it's important because it's the environment that we have set for, for our worship. It tells the story of the season. And, um, and God has been blessing this place. I know that we have some visitors that are here, and, and, and we're in this season. God provided for us miraculously. We were able just a few weeks ago to pay off our whole facility and be completely debt-free, right? That's like, yes, praise God. So, you know, his church is not fragile, right? It doesn't matter what the economic times are. It doesn't matter what, how, you know, people can be crazy, do silly things. Not you guys, just other people, you know. But people can do things that, you know, there's, there's things that come, but, but his church is not fragile, that God is, is so strong. And the words that Jesus said is, I will build my church, right? And these gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so we're in this season of understanding that he's refreshing, he's renewing, and that it belongs to him anyways, that it's not my church, it's not your church, it's not our church, it's his church that we get to be together in, and that's so cool. That's a lot of freedom to be able to go, God, this is your church, you know, build, build your church, build your church. We, we sing this sometimes in the office. Well, Lisa does. Anyways, um, so today, uh, with the time that I have remaining, and I do want to be sensitive to the time because um, I think your time is important, but the time that we have together, I think God has something for us. And I've been really just bathing in and meditating over and pouring over John chapter 11 and the Lazarus miracle. The Lazarus miracle has like, whew, like I will cry right now thinking about it when he came, I knew that you would come. That song, like it just says it. And it's such a beautiful story. And the reason that it's a beautiful story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you in just a moment. And I'm going to read it in its entirety. And if that's all you get today, that you at least get scripture. But um, what's beautiful about this story is that it's a very human story. The Bible wasn't made up of superheroes. It's made up of people. Do you know that? Yeah. Elijah was a man just like you. We just read that in James. These are people. Sometimes we categorize as superheroes, but these are people. And in this very tender story of people who are experiencing what I call the agony of delay, okay? Let's say that, the agony of delay. Has God ever moved on your timetable? And we wish that we would learn this lesson, like we set him up so well for it. Like, God, if you just do this, this, and this, it's going to be just great. And, and our timetables are never his timetables, and certainly in this story, it's the most like dramatic of ever of his timetable not being ours. And there's an agony that we experience as God's people. And the agony of delay, he comes and he meets us. He meets us in ways that are unique to our personalities. In this account, you're going to see 
the personality of, of the disciples, and namely Thomas, who's, who's mentioned and called the twin in this story. Um, you'll see the personality of Martha, who often gets a really bad rap, but she's pretty heroic. You'll see the, the personality of Mary, right, who, who is more of the abandoned personality of the one who just wants to just sit and be with Jesus. You know, the one who, who wept over his feet, let down her hair, and, and, and washed the feet of Jesus, wiping him with her hair. This is Mary. And then you see Lazarus, right? Lazarus, who was bound by the cords of death. And you have all of these people together. And I was thinking about all these different people. And it made me think about, like, all those personality tests, strengths finders, uh, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram. Are you guys familiar with these? Yeah? Okay, for the three of you that are, what, what, <laughs> these tests are, are, are helpful, right? They're helpful in building teams. They're helpful in understanding our personality. Um, but sometimes I don't like them, you know? Sometimes I like them if the result, like Strength Finders is a good one because it only tells you what you're good at. You're like, yeah. Um, but, but sometimes these, these tests, what, what they can do for us um, on the other side of things is it, it kind of, we categorize ourselves and then we categorize other people, you know? And like, for example, there's this part of the Myers-Briggs test that has these different initials that you associate with your name and, or not with your name, but your personality. Um, and, and, and one, the, the last letter has to do with the way that you kind of see things and one is J and one is P and I won't go into all of it, but, but the, the J person tends to be the on time person, right? And the P person, it stands for, one stands for judging, not like you're a judgmental, but that way you judge things and the other stands for perceiving, right? And, and so the, the P tends to be late and the J t- tends to be on time, right? Okay, so I'm just telling you this as an example of the way I'm, I'm generalizing all these tests. And so you can get in environments where you can just roll in late and just be like, <laughs> I'm just a P, you know, I just mean. And so for other people who've taken the test, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> and then you can, you can be early for something. And then, and then someone who's in the P category will say, oh, that's such J behavior. Oh, man, you're so early all the time, right? Or you can do the same thing for the way you're intuitive or the way that you think about things. Or if you're an Enneagram and you have all these different parts of the spectrum of it, you can just define yourself. And so I say all this to say, yes, helpful. But also, we are humans, right? Humans. And what's been helpful for me is instead of saying that, oh, I want to aim to be like Martha, or I want to aim to be more like Mary, or I hope I'm not like Lazarus, or why does Thomas ask all these questions? I've stepped back from it and said, you know what? Sometimes I'm like Thomas. Sometimes I'm like Martha. Sometimes I'm like Mary. Sometimes I experience stuff like Lazarus. Why? Because the Bible is so good at showing us a picture of humanity. And so I want to just say all that to... um, to, to maybe take you off the hook in some ways to not do that. To, if there's anyone that you're aiming to be more like it too, this is the one that we always get right. You can always get this answer right in church if you just say this one word. The one that we're aiming to be like is who? Jesus. Oh, man, you're trained so well. So, so, so the, see what the scripture is doing. And, and, and I'm just presenting this very humbly. I, I think there's probably other ways to in, interpret it as well. But as, so as we look at the, 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 the way that humanity responds to the agony of delay. And so I'd like to, I'd like to read this in its entirety. And then um, I'm going to just give you a few thoughts and we'll have some time to respond to the Lord in prayer. Everybody good? All right, so I'm not going to put these words on the screen because I'd like you to try as best as you can to imagine them. This is just the full, um, the full chapter. 
And then as I break it open a little bit, I'll put those words on the screen for you. But resist the temptation to fall asleep right now. Unless um, you're really, really tired, then just go for it. All right, here we go. Um, John chapter 11. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her mother, or excuse me, her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so Jesus sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, for it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters Lazarus, sister and Lazarus, excuse me. And so he heard that Lazarus was ill. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Maybe make a little bookmark there in your brain. And then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just there seeking to stone you. And you're going there again? And Jesus said, are not there 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. But if he sees the light of this world, um, but if anyone walks in the night and he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but, he, but I will go and awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death. But they had thought he meant he was talking about resting in sleep. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. And so Thomas, who's called the twin, said to him, to his fellow disciples, come on, let's go that we may die with him. Then Jesus came and he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. And so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God, the one who is coming into the world. Are you still with me? I got a little more to go. This is where the story gets really amazing. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went out to him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And now when Mary had come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. Verse 34 says, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Very, very powerful passages. Jesus wept. Verse 36 said, and the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, he could, he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this, couldn't he have also kept this man from dying? Excuse me. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took the stone away, and, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, thank you that you've heard me. And I, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around. I don't know why I love that prayer so much that they may believe that you sent me. In verse 34, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44 says, the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet were bound with linen strips and his face was wrapped with white cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. The story stands on its own. Just the reading of it stands on its own and it, tell, it, it talks you through something that the characters in the story, the real historical figures, they couldn't conceptualize. They couldn't see all that, that Jesus was up to in that moment. You know, in John, there are three times where Jesus does something really interesting. He's asked to do something, once by his mother, once by his brothers, and then now by his very close friends. And each time he says no. The first one was when his mom asked him to turn the water into wine. And he says, my time has not yet come, right? And then he does it. Then his brothers say, hey, come on. They're telling him to come to Jerusalem. And they're kind of calling him out. And he says, no, my time has not yet come. And then he does it. And then in the third, he is then asked by his best, maybe arguably his best friends, really close friends. Okay, the Bible goes out of its way to say us that, tell us that he was close with them, asked to come and do something, and he delays, right? And so the, the word that I want you to hear is that his delay is not his denial, right? His delay is not his denial. That Jesus was only doing the will of God. And so for him, when he says, it's not yet my time, I have not yet been given the time, he's, he's walking in obedience, fulfilling the will of the Father, now, for the, the, the wine miracle, it was soon after that he's like, okay, woman, this is not my time. And then, okay, go, go and fill up the water jugs. We don't understand these timings. I'm just giving you the kind of the pattern. The second one with his, with his brothers, you know, he basically, they're, like I said, they're kind of calling him out. And then he goes um, sort of undercover to see what's going on. It shows us, you can read this in John chapter 7. But this final one is the one that where we're at right now that is probably very relatable to many of us in this room. 
where there's that moment of deep longing, there's that moment of desperation, there's that moment of faith where you're like, Jesus, come and heal this. Jesus, come please and fix this. And you're not asking him in a rebellious way. You're not asking him like in one of those bargaining ways where if you do this, I'll do that. It's like legit. You have been faithful to the Lord. You're, you're, you're in this position in your life where you're reading your Bible more than ever. You're walking in his will. You're, man, when you sing, you lift your hands way up. You know what I mean? You're, there, there's no under the breath. You know all the lyrics. You're, you're here. And, and still, he's not showing up for you. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you can say, man, I, I feel that. It's that agony of delay. You know, this is just probably another message about God's timing is in our timing, but it's so much deeper because his timing is so perfect and he does things in such a way that brings glory to himself. But he does things in such a way that is unique to you specifically. There are things that, that, that he understands about you. And the bottom line is this, that Jesus wants to show up for you specifically in a way that is significant to you. Did you re- recognize in the story that he showed up a little different for Martha than he did for Mary? And certainly different for Lazarus. And so I, I don't want to get into the whole entire thing. Um, it's such a dangerous thing to have this short period of time <laughs> to say a lot of things. But if I can just bring us home with a couple of points of application. And in these first maybe 10 or so verses, um, let's look at, at what he says. The first thing is this, this agony of the faithful, right? This isn't, this isn't the sinner, right? We've looked at some of these Psalms that say, man, why don't you punish the wicked? It seems like they get away with everything. This is the agony of the faithful. This illness, as we look at verse 4, Jesus heard what was said. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that God may be glorified through it. The reason for his delay is so often for him to glorify himself. The reason for his delay, we don't understand it. I have a list of things that Charles Swindoll um, said to pastors, Jim, I think I got it from something that you did for us all. And, and one of the things it says is, is um, to don't try to explain things you don't understand, basically is what he's saying. Don't try to explain. I don't understand why he delays. Don't answer questions you don't have the answers to, he says in that little thing. He says, learn to say, I don't know, and then go learn the answer and tell them when you know it. And, and so in this regard, this is one that I don't know that we'll ever have the answer for completely. And some of the delays and the agony that you've experienced in the midst of those delays, when Jesus didn't show up like you thought he would, I want to say very openly and honestly, there may, on this side of eternity, might not be a really good reason for that. And that's hard, and that's where grief comes in. That's where lament comes in. That's where the, even though you slay me, I'm still going to trust you. That's where the resurrection of all things comes in, where we realize that he's coming back to make all things that are wrong right and that we're not living just for this moment. And as much as I can say those things, those are not the magic pills to feel better when you've experienced significant and horrendous loss. But all the same, the Bible points us to those things to realize that there's more. There is so much more than this. And so his delay is for a reason. One that we might experience it possibly here on this side of eternity, but certainly We'll experience it in understanding on a great day where we'll just go, oh, 
right? Remember, I've said it many times. I know we're going to be saying holy, holy, holy when we get to heaven. But we're also going to be saying a whole lot of, oh. <laughs> oh. 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 Right? This next part is Jesus tends to do things unexpectedly. In verse 5, it says that Jesus loved Martha. He loved her and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. So in that sentence is a really big word. The love of God does not always look like what we think of when we sing about the love of God, right? The love of God does not always look like what we want it to look like, but that so is a really big word. The word love that we understand from Scripture is that God is always choosing for our highest, right? It's this choice-based word. It's not an emotion or feeling-based word. And so here, um, his delay is really interesting. And then the next verse, it says, um, then after this, his disciples, um, after this, he said to his disciples, Let's go to Judea again. So there was a so that caused a delay, but then there was a then that caused action. So he was going to go to them. It was just going to be in a different timing. And then the disciples, in their brilliance, have um, advice for him, saying, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again. I thought about that in, um, in later when Thomas says, come on, let's go and die with him. We don't know the tone by which he was saying it. There's different scholars say different things. You know, Thomas had a nickname, the twin. Um, one scholar says that Thomas probably looked physically like Jesus. This is just theoretical, okay? Don't quote me on any of this, but it's an interesting. That, that one scholar thinks Thomas looked like Jesus. And so when he says, come on, let's go die with him, he's like, I'm probably going down because if they see me, they're going to think it's him and the stones are going to come towards me, right? It's dangerous to look like Jesus. And so um, there is a, a, a danger in this time of delay, uh, uh, and maybe danger is not the way to look at it, but more like risk. It seems like a risky time in delay. It seems like the agony of it is like, oh, this feels really uncertain And that's the time where we want to seek to come in and control the outcomes, don't we? Aren't we really, really, really good at that? Orchestrate events, put ourselves in situations, make sure we stay safe, because that's the the goal of all things, to stay safe. That's what we've believed and been taught. But yet, we have been called into this really dangerous, risky thing called Christianity. Following Jesus is always dangerous. And so he lets the guys know, yeah, I I know what I'm doing. Then he gives a perspective about this analogy versus day and night. And that there is a perspective for those that, that walk in the daytime versus those that walk in the light. The things that you can see, the things that he can see that, that maybe you can't in the midst of that delay. It requires to take a step back and say, hey, now wasn't the time. This is the time. And, and then when he calls us to move, we move. The final and the, the last part of it, and this is the part where I'll end because I really am out of time. Um, Jesus speaks now specifically, and I want to focus in on kind of his disciples. He speaks to them um, figuratively first. And then I love the fact that it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of am a little messed up because I've watched The Chosen, you know. And I, I, I don't want to be controversial for people who don't like it. I kind of dig it. I just think it's, it's really interesting, you know, to see this character. But, but sometimes when you, when you read Scripture, you're like, 
you kind of have an, a picture of Jesus' personality, like the way he's saying things and stuff like that. So it's like, if I could step back from it enough, I just picture Jesus, and he's, he's talking about um, to them, he's talking in these figurative terms, like he's asleep. And then the disciples are like, well, if he's asleep, you know, let's, he's going to wake up and be just fine. And then Jesus is like, boys, he's dead. Like, it was just like, it was just like so matter of fact. Like, okay, you're not getting this. Let me give it to you. Let me break it down for you. And I love that about Jesus, how he is in our lives, how, how he, he walks with us and works with us and, and gives us like, and it's often in retrospect where we look back and go, man, he was talking to me in so many ways. I just couldn't see it when I was in the middle of it. But then, you know, whether he does it through a person who has a, you know, a blunt personality, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, maybe a few here, I don't know, but there might be a few here or somebody, any, anyone who that's their gift to just go, hey, and, and you're like, oh. Now I see it. Not only do I see that, but I see all this other stuff that's connected to it because there's always so much more that he's doing in that agony of delay. It's, it's really a horrible feeling time, but it's a beautiful time all the same. It's the tension that we go through as humans because remember, this is about humanity and Jesus doing real things for humans. And man, as you read this story and meditate on it, there are so many um, connections to the, the story of the cross. It's like, you know, it's like so grateful that God gave us. Maybe we have a hard time connecting with Jesus and now we have a story of another human, right, who had, who had was dead and then alive again, understanding resurrection. And so uh, as I wrap this up, which I need to do, in the end he says to them in verse 14, he tells them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas called the twin said, let's go with him that we may die with him. <laughs> Verse 17. And then when Jesus came, he found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Again, the four days is really important for the reader, because if it were one or two days, you, you maybe, maybe they got the diagnosis wrong. Um, four days, as we like to say, he was good and dead, right? So much so to the point where they said, don't open that tomb because he will stink. That odor of death was there. And so it was unmistakably clear that this was a dramatic miracle that God did. And we're going to talk about that more next week. But I want to invite our worship team to come back because that beautiful song that they sang, I want to sing again. Um, and and the, the, the message in the, in the agony of delay is that he will show up. He will show up. Do you hear me? Jesus will show up. He will show up for you. It doesn't mean that what you've experienced, the, the, the difficulty of it, the pain of it, um, instantly goes away. But there's something about the glory of God that tends to overshadow our human experiences. It helps us to get a taste of heaven. It helps us to see that he is in charge, that there is a greater plan. He will show up. He will show up for you. He will show up not for, like, us in this moment. I mean, he could, but I'm saying, when, he, when I say he's going to show up for you, I mean you and you and you and you, specific to what you need, just as he did for Martha, just as he did for Mary, just as he did for Thomas just as he did for his disciples. He will show up for you. Some of us in this room are experiencing this agony in moments over like literal loss of life, loved ones. Some over loss of hope. Others over loss of dreams. 
others possibly over loss of perspective. And when it seems like Jesus doesn't care, like it can often seem when you're in the midst of that, it seems like he doesn't care. He will break through. That's a prayer that I often pray. Lord, will you show up? Will you just show up in this? Before they sing this song, I, I've been reading this book by John Stott, and I feel like this is a, a, a really fitting quote for this moment. And what it helps us to understand is the tension that we live in. And it says this, this is our Christian dilemma. We're caught in the tension between what, his God, what God has established by giving us his Holy Spirit and what he will accomplish in the final adoption and redemption Speaking in context of the Roman passage about like creation groaning and saying, hey, we're also groaning. It says, we groan with discomfort and longing. The indwelling spirit gives us joy and the coming glory gives us hope. But the interim suspense gives us pain. Isn't that the Christian experience? We see it, we experience it, but we live in this tension as well. And so in the midst of this tension, what I want to encourage you is to invite Jesus in and and invite him in in regards to just, I trust you. I trust you for the perspective that I need. I trust you in the risks that I need to take. I I, I know that you'll show up. If anything, the response is not, man, I got to stop doing this and do that and whatever else and read this book. The response is, is just a surrendered, God, I don't know that I completely get whatever the category is of this delay, but I yield to it because I know that Sunday is coming. I know Sunday's coming. I know that I trust you from a place of victory. I trust you from a place of resurrection. Do you hear me? Amen. Can we stand together? I know this song is a, a, a beautiful song to me, at least. I, I really love it. It's an upbeat song. But even that said, we are committed to praying over you. Anybody who needs prayer, anyone who is in any moment of going, I think I heard some of what you said, and I just, but I just want prayer, or specifically knowing, man, I need God to show up in this area of my life. You just need to know that there will be people here to pray for you. And as this song is being played, if you'd like prayer, if you just need a touch from God, you just need to be alone here at the altar, you need someone to agree with you in prayer, that we'll be here. Um, so as we sing this song, feel free to come.
that our worship team would stay and just kind of play for a little while longer. And I'll invite our staff to come as well to be ready to receive you if you want prayer as we wrap things up. But just know that this time here, that we're in no hurry. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. God, I bless your people today, and I thank you for each and every one of them. Lord, I thank you for all the families that are here to celebrate the dedication of two beautiful, beautiful baby girls to you, God, and the life that you have for them. We bless these families. God, I thank you for every every person that's here that's listening and hearing your word. Lord, those that are listening online, I pray just a special blessing over them today as they submit to you and yield to you and welcome you and invite you in in new ways. And as you invade their space, God, as you so faithfully do, you just come in, Lord, and you show up. Would you show up for them, whether it's in the midst of loss or difficulty or pain, Lord, even show up in the midst of joy, God, that you would reveal your heart to us in greater ways. Bless your people now, God, as we look towards this Easter Sunday in just a few weeks away, may our hearts be filled with anticipation. May that agony of delay turn into anticipation for what it is that you long to do. Bless your people now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. And again, feel free to come.